sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. in the neighborhood it is tuesday november 3rd let's cock a doodle do it this is the early line giving you the edge on sports grid i'm dane martinez and as always i got my main man kevin walsh burning the candle at both ends to give you all the information you need to make it a profitable day and hopefully we put the fun and functional sports content at the same time and kev we had a monday night football game last night where for a lot of the time anybody who thought the tampa bay buccaneers were this elite team and we're going to start to steamroll as favorites in the nfc had to be a little bit concerned you'll love it if you had the 12 and a half that i think it closed that because the giants were definitely able to cover that However, Kev, we also then saw, you know, Tom Brady, in essence, for 60 minutes being a game manager and Danny Dimes after 60 minutes regressing to what we knew he would do. I tell you, I don't care what the minus number is. Bet him to throw an interception. He throws two in the second half when, you know, they were up and he needed to manage the game. That gives an open window for the Tampa Bay Bucks to come back. And they do getting the job done they moved to six and two with a road win against the giants 25 23 what was your biggest takeaways from this one well um i had the under and we lost mm. because daniel jones completed a fourth and 16 against the best defense in football and then threw an absolute dime to golden tate yeah, to golden tate and then immediately after was like hey if you guys think i'm good let me not get the ball out fast enough on a one route play uh, how is that ball not out immediately to yeah. Dion lewis i mean maybe he could have ran it flatter too. but like it was a it was terrible it was just like yep. instantly and the best was the reception so him to throw a pick was minus 205 I said, if you just wait till halftime, you'll get it a plus number. It was plus two ten going into the second half. He really? Pick on his oh my god! First pass. He threw a pick on his Kev, first if pass. If that ever happens again on in-game live, you literally have to call me, bro, and I be just like, did it. I, get this. This is number. what happens. <laughs> this is what happens though. When these guys that are supposed to throw picks, they're big plus money to throw picks in the second half. He threw it on his first pass attempt in the second half. This game had no business mm -hmm. going over. Ultimately, it goes over. But I will say, I think we're starting to see schedule spots are, are mattering a bit more here. The bye week starting to matter maybe mm. a little bit more. We said this was almost a pseudo right. bye for the Giants. Not just Thursday night football, but Thursday to Monday. That was a really good off, uh, a little bit of a, you know, a solid window that they had for themselves. Sure. Even the Eagles haven't played on Thursday. They, albeit crazily, covered that number. We talked about every team off the bye outside of the Baltimore Ravens covered the number. So we go into next week, and that's going to be something I'm going to be thinking about. The Arizona Cardinals, now the Texans, and the Jags play each other, so that does us no good. Washington okay. football team. And then even taking a look at the Panthers and the Falcons, who will be coming off a Thursday night football, because uh, I think it is certainly fair to say that you know you got what was a really A-plus effort from the Giants and a Tampa Bay team that was happy to just put a result forward. 
Yeah, absolutely. I remember you mentioned that yesterday, right, Kev? Uh, the Minnesota Vikings off the bye surprised people. The Indianapolis Colts off the bye decided to boat race the Detroit Lions and show different things. I know that you were big on the idea of Jonathan Taylor and Jordan Wilkins. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show as well. So, you know, the Giants are now 1-7, and seven, what have you. We don't need to talk about them. The Buccaneers, though, moved to 6-2. and two. Tell me what you saw about them, because ironically for me, we get more Leonard Fournette than Ronald Jones. A lot of people were getting very, very high on Ronald Jones who entered this game. I believe it was fifth in the NFL in rushing. And then talk to me about the spread here in the passing game. You know, Evans goes 5 for 55 and a touchdown. Gronk gets in the end zone. It looks like he is starting to either get back in shape or build. You know he has chemistry with Tom Brady, but, you know, get familiar with that team and with that scheme. What else are you seeing and what do you think will the addition of Antonio Brown, who is set to make his debut for these Buccaneers next week. What do you think AB does? What is this team at full strength when Godwin is there? And then on the defensive side, are you concerned at all? This is the number one DVOA defense. And then, you know, this 31st in the NFL offense was able to look pretty decent against them. Yeah, they had they did some things okay, but ultimately it was a two-drive situation for them. Uh, the drive right before the half ended and then the drive at the end of the game. Even that first touchdown was because of a Rojo fumble that set them up, and it took an incredible throw from Daniel Jones to beat Devin White and find Dean Lewis over the top. I don't worry too much about uh, their defense as we bring in our radio audience here. Shout out to the people on the West Coast, especially the Mightier 1090. This is the early line. I'll say, though, from the Bucks' perspective, as the game developed, he kind of started to realize it's not a great spot for them. No Antonio Brown, no yeah. Chris Godwin. Mike Evans being matched up on James Bradbury, who's you know been talked about on the season as one of the top three cornerbacks, probably, uh, performance-wise. It might be him and Jalen Ramsey, really, is the two who are standing out. And then that is how you have eight targets that go Jalen Mickens' way, right? So yeah. I, I think, yeah. ultimately, this was a Bucks team that, you know, Looking ahead to Sunday night football against the Saints, going up against the Giants team, they probably didn't respect enough without their full complement of pieces. And you take the result for what it is. Um, could it have, you know, should it have probably been better? Yeah, but they, you know, to come back down from 14 3, that's kind of the tough thing, right? You want to give a team mm-hmm. credit for coming back from down 14 3. It's also like, why the heck were you down 14 3 to the Giants? Hey, they got the road win, you know, and for these guys who may be battling for playoff positioning and seeding, a win is a win is a win. And they are now 6-2 and two after half the season. Now that week 8 is in the books, we'll turn our attention to the future. Week 9, the trading deadline, how to help your fantasy team. We do all that in this hour coming up of the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, 
Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line. Thanks for waking up early with us here on the early line, getting on the grid. That's what we do, give you the edge. And we don't just give you a fish or give you picks or give you plays or give you start sits or waiver wires. We teach you how to fish so you can start to be a better sports investor, a better fantasy player, a better DFS player on your own. So now, Kev, now that week eight is done, we turn the page and kind of debrief it. I want to look at the playoff picture. I want to look at the draft order want to understand the injuries that happened and then know where to pivot on the waiver wire and this week is even more special because the trade deadline in the nfl is less than 12 hours away so we'll be talking about that as well but now that week eight is in the books we're in essence halfway through the season a lot of teams have played eight of their 16 games let's take a look at the afc playoff picture first okay kev we have been talking about the tiers in the afc right you got to still the undefeated Steelers, the Chiefs, the Titans, and the Bills as division leaders. Up next would be those Baltimore Ravens, the Indianapolis Colts, who you said got back on the good foot after their bye against Detroit this week, and then the Browns, right? They are all with five wins. Those would be the three wild cards and remember that there are three wild cards then you got some four win teams in the raiders and the dolphins and even the broncos at three wins that are kind of you know within two games on the outside looking in when you see those teams right what do you think maybe is kind of the pivot spot the place that of the playoff picture mm-hmm. that you are most interested in or that you potentially see value when we look at the fan duel sportsbook what's your big reaction today AFC playoff picture yeah, I think it's interesting that the Dolphins and the Pats are posted at the same 40 to 1 price despite, mm. you know, the Dolphins having a record that gets them on the playoff picture and the yesterday, yeah. Patriots having a considerable gap, right, that exists between those two teams clearly for them a yeah. real drop off there because the Broncos then come in next alongside the Chargers at 100 to 1. And wow. the tears so are starting faith to in the Patriots kind of like you are as well like we talked about yesterday. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, uh, they are. Um, or maybe a lack of faith in the Dolphins. You could take it how you want it. Um, way, right. But I think it's more so the Pats, considering the gap between them and uh, the Broncos. Right. I actually think the AFC market's really difficult to find value in. The Chiefs are plus 175. I think they're the best team in football by a country mile. But plus 175 to win the conference, nah, not in love with it. Steelers at 3-1. to one. You know me and my the Steelers. I, I'm not as high as everybody right. else. The first place I consider is Baltimore five to one, but I'm currently I feel like I this is this uphill battle to have this conversation about Lamar Jackson because so often people just want to be like, no, see, he's terrible. We all knew he couldn't be a pocket passer. <laughs> like there, we have to try and like refocus this conversation. This guy threw six interceptions last year. He's thrown four picks in his last four weeks. Okay, last year, year two, an obvious leap forward. That's when quarterbacks take leaps forward. In year three, he was actually due for some regression. The touchdown interception numbers were outrageous, okay? So regression coming was normal, but it's stark regression. He he can't even throw the ball for 210 yards. He is not running as much. It is as if this team is just holding back, but that unfortunately – can't justify because then two games this year against the two teams above them, both in Baltimore, both losses, and both Mm -hmm. games where the talking point is, my God, was Lamar terrible? So as they travel to Indy this week, can we get some more confidence in Lamar Jackson? My guess is 
If he plays well, the game doesn't count. Nobody cares. The Colts aren't right. actually that good. And if he plays poorly, see another great defense, he can't answer the bell. Right. So here's the thing, and as it relates to Lamar, you know, I heard um, Adam Kaplan on our network with Scotty or on, on mm. Coast to Coast, and he said something that resonated with me. We all knew, Kev, that going into this offseason, let's say, right, they wanted Lamar to develop the passing game. They wanted maybe even to expand the playbook, right, to make mm. that more comfortable with him. And then COVID happened. Right. So they didn't have a real offseason. They didn't get to maybe practice some of the things that would be, you know, the expanding repertoire for Lamar. And maybe that put him a little bit behind the eight ball. I don't know how much you buy that. But I draw your attention to two other things in the AFC that I think are really interesting. You know, Kev, about two weeks ago or three weeks ago, the narrative around the Tennessee Titans was that they had an outbreak. Right. And that they were one of these undefeated teams still. Well, if you look, they're now tied with the Colts, Kev, right? And that, I think, is very interesting. They are both at 5-2. and two. Obviously, India is in the wild card column right now. But this idea of, uh, uh, you know, images are closer than they appear, I think, is something to watch. In the AFC South, the Titans are still the favorites in that division at a minus number. But the Colts are not far behind, okay? So mm -hmm. that's a division where I would actually think is still tighter at the top than most people imagine. And then I want to remind people, Kev, with the seven playoff teams, the one seed will get a bye, right? And the other three division winners will play the, um, the three wildcard teams. What will ultimately be this 4-5 game, I'm going to be very interested in that. I see a universe, unfortunately for Bill's Mafia, where they are the four seed and they are the home dogs in their playoff game. Because the AFC North, like wild card team, like Baltimore or Pittsburgh, if that would be, if they had to go to Buffalo on wild card weekend, I think mm -hmm. the Bills might be home dogs if they are the four seed and like the Ravens are going to Baltimore. And that's a spot I'm going to be watching as well in both of these conferences, the four five, because think about it, even in the NFC, right? It's probably going to be that NFC East champion against someone like, I don't know, call it the uh, Saints, potentially call it the, uh, you know, the Rams or the Niners. Will that four seed actually be a home dog in a playoff scenario? What do you think about the AFC South and what, could happen about a number one wild card with the lowest division winner. So I actually think it's a good point, but I it pulls me back to Baltimore maybe being the value. The only way their dogs, unless they drastically shift in perception, are if they play the Steelers or Chiefs at this point, right? And those would have to be road games because they've been three-point favorites over both of those teams already in Baltimore. We're seeing it right now. Again, the Colts on the Titans, I mean, they're both five and two. A hundred dollars mm -hmm. separates them in the futures market like that. Oh, I think people should be aware that that's a very tight race right now. Um, I'm just saying it changed, right? Because the Titans are actually now like have oh, lost their last two. So it's, no, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. you may have not thought about it, right? Yeah, but I think the reality is the Colts are three-point home dogs to Baltimore. So I think that that mm. shows that your kind of theory is it's 100% spot on. And I don't think it's a Buffalo problem. I think it's a Baltimore thing where I don't know how much okay. the book's perception on Baltimore ultimately will change, right? We know the Ravens right. have to play both the Titans and they have to play the Colts, right, in the remaining schedule. So yeah. if they get wins over both of those teams, 
ultimately, that should be enough to kind of push this team through. That is another that that would probably be something to follow. And if you can pick your spot here on whether you prefer the Titans or whether you prefer the the, the, Colts, the Colts, twelve to one or thirteen to one is pretty solid. But I might even tell you that the division odds then might have some meat on the bone because the Titans are only minus 140. The Colts are minus 105. You can just play in that market if you favor one of these teams to really end up winning the division because I would think anybody that you would want to back in that market, you believe wins the division. Right. And it's very odd, I think, Kev, also in a division where there's four outcomes to have two of the teams be minus money. You know, you're saying the Titans at minus 140 and the Colts at minus 105. That means, you know, obviously no one believes in the Texans or, of course, the Jaguars, who are, in my opinion, doubling down on trying to get the number one overall pick. They're like, whoa, the Jets haven't won a game. Uh, Gardner Minshew may be too good for our original plan to tank for Trevor. We need to bring in another six round rookie to try to get that job done but i digress real quick because at the end uh when we come back from the other side of the break we'll look at the nfc playoff picture and more um when you're talking about it's a baltimore thing would you feel the same way if ultimately baltimore wins the nfc afc north and it's pittsburgh in that five spot right like let's say baltimore winds up going 12 and 4 um beating mm-hmm. pittsburgh right and 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 the steelers are 11 and 5 as the number one wild card would you feel the same way about them going to say indy or buffalo again i wouldn't be as high on them but i do think right. they'd be favorites at but this the spot point. and that's ultimately yeah. what we're trying to figure out here and Although if they all of a sudden lose, you know, they go six and five to finish their season, right? Or what would that Maybe be? Four and, four and five? Like I'm just saying, though, like, the, that adds to it. Right. We'll talk about the NFC side when we come back here on the other line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on Sports Grid. As always, we also welcome back in all of our affiliates. Big shout out. And thank you for getting up early and spending the morning with us. It is a very important day and uh, for many reasons, right? Um, and not the least of which is this the trading deadline in the NFL. We'll be talking about some of the moves and some of the impacts of that a little bit later on in the show. But now we turn our attention to the NFC playoff picture after eight weeks of the season. We have the Seahawks, the Packers, the Bucks, and the Philadelphia Eagles, who at below 500 still lead the East with a record of 3, 4, and 1. You know, it's hysterical. I even look on the outside looking in. Kev, right? You see the Bears and the Niners with better records than the Philadelphia Eagles, but they do not have a playoff spot because they are not in the NFC least. What do you think about this playoff picture? For me, I look at teams like Arizona, like New Orleans, like the Rams, and even San Francisco there at 4-4. Four and four. I know they have been completely eviscerated with injury. We just heard in the update Kittle down, Jimmy G down for a while. But I wonder, Kev, the biggest thing for me in the NFC is how many teams from the West are going to make it in. And right now, I think the answer very well could be three of them. 
What do you say? So uh, I want to say, first of all, interesting that Matt Rule and Matt Patricia have Steve, our wonderful graphics producer's number, to pay him to get their names still on this list. These teams are done. They are not making the playoffs. <laughs> um, but okay, live your best life. Now, there's really one big question here before we can continue on with this conversation. Are the Niners done? Are the Niners done? George Kittle out for eight weeks. We're obviously going to expand on injuries. And, I, you know, I don't want to step on it, but at the end of the day, to have this conversation, this is the absolute jumping off point here. Jimmy Garoppolo's going to be missing four to six. I mean, I think this team's done. They're four and four. They're playing the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night football, a game I would have really liked them in had they had their not even full complement of players, just some bodies, no running backs are left, it feels like. At four and four, favored to drop to four and five, are the Niners still in the mix here, Dane? Um, I would say no. I would say no, because, listen, they're also in a position where they have to hop multiple teams, right? This now depleted version of the Niners will, uh, will have to, you know, hop over the Bears and the Rams or the Saints, you know, mm -hmm. uh, multiple teams, and that is not easy, right? Maybe if they were one of the teams that I think are, you know, getting healthier, I would have a reason mm -hmm. to believe that that is possible, but it's the inverse, right? So I think um, it is right to point out that that Super Bowl hangover and, you know, the luck could be real. It's not necessarily the hangover. This was straight injuries, right? right. Whether it was the turf at MetLife, you know, or, you know, the monster that got Kittle not once but twice, you know, they have been eviscerated. And I think that's a um, that is a good jumping off point. I do think they're done. And here's the other thing I'll say about this and the AFC side. We're going to learn. There are going to be some tea leaves to read, Kev, when some of these teams that are on even like the outside looking in kind of column, they're going to trade players away today. You know what I mean? And if and when that happens, you will also start to see what the organizations themselves think about their chances, right? If they should stay in it for 2020 and play the short game or pivot to start playing the long game. You know, I was also looking, FanDuel has that market of make or miss playoffs, and I was looking for a couple of specific teams. They don't have the Niners up yet. Um, I was looking for the Patriots, for example, but they haven't hung all of those just yet. I do agree with you. The Niners and the NFC West is is something talk to me now though kev talk to me about the tippy top of the nfc because there's only one buy a lot of people mm -hmm. think tampa's playing the best they're gonna get antonio brown back and all that stuff they did not look like the best team in the nfc last night green bay lost to Minnesota, Seattle is continuing to get through. We love offense. You know, Russ is cooking, all that great stuff. DK is unstoppable. I get all that. But their defense, listen, played well against San Fran, but is still something that concerns me if they have to see these other high-octane offenses in the playoffs. Like, what's the top of the NFC these days, Kev? I got to tell you, I believe we're looking at an NFC that is far more competitive maybe than people are lending it to be. I don't. But is that because the middle tier comes up or the uh, presumed top tier falls back to the pack? It would kind of have to be both, not to cop out, right? But I don't think you're looking at these teams at the top that are so up. Like, Seattle cannot enter a tier of their own they have the worst defense outside of the dallas cowboys in the league so automatically you have too big of a hole right we've seen you lose to the cardinals 
The Bucks are an odd football team. Um, you know, Welsh in his update mentioned, for those that didn't hear, you know, the Bucks' two losses came on the road. That game against the Giants was on the road. Okay, well, they might have to be road warriors. Again, the Saints, the, the gap there is that the Bucks have played an extra game. The Saints currently hold the tiebreaker over them, and if they beat them this next Sunday, this week, yeah, the, the Bucks basically are locked into the five seed. I don't want to be dramatic here, but like that's a massive shift where they would have the two game sweep. They lose the tie over the Tampa yeah. Bay Bucks. So if the Bucks can't travel, that's an issue. And I feel like every other Sunday, I can't make heads or tails of this Green Bay Packer team. So yeah. then you compare that to your other teams. The Cardinals are 5-2. and two. They just beat the Seahawks. They've played some pretty solid games. The Rams are 5-3. and three. You know, their first game off the bye is going to be against the Seattle Seahawks. But, you know, people trying to figure out who they are. They do have a win over the Chicago Bears. The Bears have a win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, you know, at this point, it's, it's a real race. And, I, and I'm telling you this right now. People aren't going to like to hear it. Give it some time. People are going to start talking about the Eagles. It's what it is. They're 3-4-1, okay? I get it. They're going to hopefully be 4-4-1 off of a bye having to play the New York Giants. And then all of a sudden, we'll see how this thing starts to take shape and if they can get healthier. I think you're looking at a very, very competitive NFC that you shouldn't be paying a number anywhere near what you're paying for the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC. And I think you should take some shots deeper down the board. Why yeah. can't I make an argument that the Arizona Cardinals can't win the mm-hmm. NFC? Why can't I? Yeah. No, I'm with you, Kevin. Listen, here's the truth. Also, the way you're talking about the Saints and Bucks, right? Like if the Saints beat them again, then they go into first place with the tiebreaker. The Arizona yeah. Cardinals beat the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, mm-hmm. so the same thing happens, Kev, you know, in that division, right? If Se- if Arizona, when they play Seattle again, get the win, have the tiebreaker, what happens to that division? You've got the Arizona Cardinals. I am very intrigued, Kev, by the New Orleans Saints. I really am, because to me, they're one of the teams, Kev, that can get better, right? You add Michael Thomas and Manny Sanders back to that <laughs> offense, that defense maybe does get a little bit better, right? They got uh, guys like Marcus Davenport back recently, and I I don't think Drew Brees gets better, okay? But I do think overall the offense could get better with the return of guys like Michael Thomas. Those five win teams in that wild card spot, the Rams, the Saints, and the Cardinals are teams that I do, in fact, yeah. have an eye on. Go ahead, Kev. The thing with the Saints is, and I mean, I know we debated this yesterday about yep. context and different yeah, things. Yeah. They've not covered a number since week one. So what does that mean? Ultimately, they are not living up to expectations. It's not as if those lines are not set. They are aware Michael Thomas is not. But the expectations were them to be the Super Bowl participant. The expectations were them to win the NFC. Correct. But then on a weekly basis, we're aware Michael Thomas isn't playing. Right? It's not as if they don't set they set these lines and they're like, okay, same exact no no no. Like they have not covered a number since week one. They are not playing football to the level where they are delivering at all on their promises. Yes, they can get Michael Thomas back, but as you said, anybody buying Drew Brees as the season goes grows older, I'm not. I don't think anybody is, okay? Certainly not the way their season ended last year at home against the Kirk Cousins-led Vikings. So that's, that's, again, like, I don't think there's a single team that you can bring up in the NFC 
where you don't have the ability to poke some holes right now, right? And I think even when you look at the AFC, right, I might try and poke some holes in the Steelers. They're unbeaten. People won't let me. It is what it is. And then the Chiefs are the Chiefs. There's an argument to be made that the two best teams in football are in the AFC, right, with maybe a tier of their own. In the NFC, I might just... You know what? Fine. We're dealing with a 17 tier or an, or a 16 tier. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's fair, right? That's why I was wondering if you think the second tier comes up or if it's the first one coming back down. I think, you know, there's doubts about every team in the NFC. Um, so we will see as it flattens. I mean, if you just look at it on its face, there are eight teams in the NFC that have five or six wins. And one of them is the Bears that are on the outside looking in as of now. When we look at the playoff picture, Kev, one last thing we should look at is the updated 2021 NFL draft order. A lot of buzz about Trevor Lawrence, who, as we know, has COVID at this point. Um, There was, you know, jokes being made that that's how he's trying to avoid the New York Jets. As you see it right now, New York, New York, battling for the number one spot. The Jets obviously haven't won a game. Then it goes by winning percentage or strength of schedule for the one-win teams. You got the Jets, the Giants, Jacksonville. We'll talk about this later. They're making a quarterback change, and I think – Part of the reason they're making the quarterback change is this graphic right here. They can't uh, risk Gardner Minshew winning games with the way the Jets and Giants are playing. And then my biggest takeaway from that, Kev, is the Houston Texans. Um, if you you know Houston will not actually get that draft pick. The Miami Dolphins will because of good old Bill O'Brien. What's your thoughts on that? I'll tell you this right now. We get Trevor Lawrence versus Justin Fields in New York, and that is an Ooh, absolute dream. Some might, some might even say that we don't deserve that, and I, I don't know if I could argue <laughs> that. I'll tell you the other thing, though. The Cowboys, man, that is just – it's such a team mm. to watch. This team all of a sudden have a top three pick. It makes them yeah. comfortably the most interesting team of the offseason, if they weren't already going to be that because of Dak. We'll see what Dak does. We'll turn our attention moving forward now in the NFL when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge on the grid. That's what you do here very early in the morning. Dane Martinez and the candle burner, Kevin Walsh. And, Kev, you know, all right, so now we got to look forward, right? We got to look to see which of these teams can make that move, can get from the rightmost column of outside looking in into the dance. But, obviously, teams that are compromised by injury will have an issue. So let's look at the injuries that came off of week eight and then, you know, Later in the week, when we start to see the practice reports, we'll learn a little bit more. I mentioned the Gardner Minshew thing, right? Because, listen, they're in that draft order. They're going to start Jake Luton, I believe, another six-round pick. And, Kev, honestly, and we've even heard Dr. David Chow say that they think Minshew would be able to play through this and gut it out, okay? I think, honestly, this is a 
coaching decision or a management taking this tanking decision veiled in the idea of an injury. I honestly believe the Jaguars, we all knew this. We all knew this when they have at first signed like Mike Glennon instead of Jameis Winston, right? Yeah. Or instead of Andy Dalton. We knew that they were trying to tank, right? Now, and they were like, all right, Gardner Minshew, we'll run him out there. Yeah, mustache, ha, ha, ha. Um, and we'll still get one of these top picks. Honestly, the Jets and the Giants are now just too bad, and they're threatening it. So I honestly believe instead of going back to Minshew, who could play through this, they're like, nah, 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 let's even go a little bit lower to try to make sure we stay at the top of that draft order graphic. Am I crazy with conspiracy theories, Kev? No, I I don't think you are, but I I don't – ultimately, why would Gardner push through? They're one in six. Like, there's no reason to risk re-injury. Because he's a dog. He's a competitive quarterback. He likes getting out there. Excuse me. I'm sure he would like to, but is it worth it? Right? That's right. the thing. And and like it's not right. worth it. I under now listen, putting Jake Luton out there, uh, a big old who obviously right. does not cover this team in glory. But at the end of the day, it doesn't make sense to put Gardner Minshew out there at less than a hundred percent in what is very obviously a lost season. I mean, this team has lost six games in a row, right? You know, they were they won their first game, they've lost six in a row. They're not the same team. I think what will be really interesting is what the perception around Gardner is going into the next offseason. Mm. Can he be a veteran hand in year three right. to whoever they draft? Can the he compete for a job somewhere else? Uh, or is you know his tenure kind of done? I think that's really interesting. I, I will ask you this, though. Danucci comes in, slaughters everybody's value in Dallas. And Dalton, similar. At this, DJ Shark, James Robinson... Are we are we done here? Um Danucci, yes, Dalton, no, in my opinion. Um if Danucci is out there, I want no part of, you know, Michael Gallup. But I'm saying what do we do with the Jags guys that that it's gonna be not Minshew? What am I doing with Shark? What am I doing with James Robinson? I, I, you know, I'm of two minds here, Kev. I I almost gotta see the kid play first, right? Because I think the game script would make me think, yeah, fire up Keelan Cole, fire up DJ Chark, right? Yes, but I got to see if the kid even belongs, right? Like, will this be kind of what I used to think about the Jags where garbage time would be in there, they'll be slinging it, that sort of thing. Or is it like we see with Danucci, like we saw with Flacco, that there's absolutely Mm -hmm. no production to be had and you got to get off them entirely? Um, Ask me again. Ask me again on Monday, I'll tell you, Kev. But I don't know just yet. I once again made the point about Ronnie Stanley, the broken ankle. We know about the contract as well. And, you know, you're talking about Lamar Jackson, right? And what Mm -hmm. his development needs to be, that blindside protector is one of the best in the NFL. Doesn't help matters in Baltimore. Kev. No, that's true. Um, now, his athleticism, he should be able to withstand those type of things. Does he want to run? God, I wish that they were playing on Thursday night. Just to, like, let's just get this thing going. I, I, right, I, right, I am right. so interested as to what is going. Again, I know there's a lot of people doing their victory laps. I'll keep saying it. This guy was, this guy, through 36 touchdowns, he's not even a thrower of the football, 
and he barely played in fourth quarters. Like, you know, it's kind of like this thing where it's like LeBron is going to finish as the all-time leading scorer, and everybody's like, hey, he's a pass-first player. Like, Lamar led the league in touchdowns by a mile, and everyone's like, ah, he doesn't even throw the football. So, No, to I just, me, the better part, the better comparison would be Giannis, who's an MVP, who's an absolute freak. Oh, that's a freak, different, that's right? a whole different but issue. Still has, but still has but, elements of his game to work on. But here's the fine. thing. But this is the thing, right? Giannis dominates the whole regular season. Lamar, even the even the non Steelers Chiefs games, dominated he's not the NFL regular season. He was the no, MVP no, by a wide no, 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 no. Oh, Okay, it, you know it's a perfect comparison up until about right now, because right now he's not like Giannis just went back to back MVP. Lamar's not even in the race anymore. That's kind of my point. At all. Again, the the Giannis Lamar thing okay. is like apples. Two apples, not apple star. It is they are the same thing, sure. except now Lamar is struggling in the right. He's not popping. What's Lamar's best? I mean, you know, fantasy game, right? Does he have a top five quarterback week? Maybe week one against the Browns. Right, right, right. Like right. he's not popping. He's not he is much, not right? yeah. explosive. Like yeah. it is very, it is very. You know what's interesting? Also one other thing I'll say. Here's another thing I'll say. And we may not know about this until February. Remember they held him out of practice for that knee injury a yep. couple days? Yeah. Right? Like, and We thought he'd be healthier off the bye. Lamar, Lamar, like any dog, is never going to tell you this, right? We're not going to find out if Lamar is actually managing something that's a little bit worse than we're thinking. We're not going to find that out until late February, right? They may say, oh, man, he was dealing with a torn meniscus all season long or something like that. You know, I do think that is live, and we'll never know about that. I also on this injury list, Kev, just to keep it moving here, T.Y. Hilton is interesting to me, Daryl Henderson is interesting to me, and Miles Garrett is interesting to me. Why? Because all three of those teams are legit playoff contenders, right? And the Colts mm. obviously need T.Y. Hilton. Um, the idea of Henderson with the Rams, that run game, he had been that lead dog, right? We know about Malcolm Brown as a kind of reliable vet. Akers, we'll see what he can do on the comeback. And this Miles Garrett one for Cleveland, you and I both thought that he is a legit finalist for like defensive player of the year. So that is going to have to be a very big issue. To me, the ones that are for these kind of in the hunt playoff teams like the Rams, like the Colts, like the Browns. Those are ones I keep an eye on a little bit more than Kenny Galladay, who's important in fantasy rosters, but you and I both don't think the Lions are actually playoff bound. So I'm less intrigued by that one. Yeah. And, you know, again, I'll just bring up Garoppolo and the Niners. And, yeah, you the know, Niners ones, yeah. Brandon IU pops with Mullins, like, all right, we're good to go, right? Hasty McKinnon, I don't know. Figure yeah. it out. Uh, at the end of the day, sure. if you're starting back, your value. Like ask DJ Dallas. Like ask Mike right. Davis, who was RB one. Let's get some Kyle Use check in there. Like no, yeah, honestly, probably. Why not? Like who cares? Kendrick Bourne. Like <laughs> I, I just, yeah. I think the the Niners are going to be a super interesting team to follow. Yeah. Because even if we're going to declare them dead. Which I don't mind doing. The NFC is super tough, man. I mean, they, we're talking about such an uphill battle. I give him credit. I like Tashan as a coach, but and that's oh, yeah. kind of my thing. He, it's not like, it's not like he's going to tap out. He's not going to tap out though. Like they're going to be a team. Like if they're getting enough points come this Thursday, like I will be interested in Nick Mullins against Aaron Rodgers. Which is I'm trying to say out loud as much as I can to stop myself from doing that. But <laughs> it, it's a real thing. Here's so what I'll tell I, you back: they're the last place team in that division. They may not tap out, but they're in last place. Yeah, they're four and four. 
They're game. They're a game back of the playoffs. Right, right. No, I hear you. There's a lot of ways. You know, uh, who was it? David Fisdale, right? Take that for data. We can make these numbers say whatever we kind of want. I do want to move on a little bit because, listen, uh, not only do these teams maybe need to replenish, right, um, given their injuries, but so might your fantasy team. And here's another point that I'll make that connects fantasy and the injuries. Kev, this week, week nine, there are four teams with a bye. You know what I find ironic? All four of the teams with a bye, Kev, have actual injuries with their lead running back, and all four of those teams after their bye week in week nine may get their lead running back back. For week 10, you already know about Philadelphia, Kev, right? Sanders could be back week 10. Think about the other teams that are on bye. The Cincinnati Bengals look to get Joe Mixon back after their bye. The Cleveland Browns may get Nick Chubb back after their bye. And the Los Angeles Rams, we saw Daryl Henderson leave with that thigh injury. They don't think it's that serious. He could be back after their bye as well. I bring up the bye also because if you are a fantasy manager hunting on the waiver wire, Kev, there are some options. Options, okay. I want to talk to you about wide receivers first, Kev, because there were so many injuries at wide receiver in last week. We saw it on the screen. Guys like Calvin Ridley, guys like T.Y. Hilton, Kenny Galladay. And then when you think about those by teams, Kev, right? Like T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, uh, Cooper Cup. Robert Woods, right? These Landry, these are all guys who you may need to replace. So I got three guys for you. I want to know if you think about it. Marvin Jones is one on, on rosters in less than 50% of leagues with Kenny Galladay out and Matty Stafford slinging it like, whoa, I think he comes back. You know, he was banged out and injured for a little while coming back. Don't forget about him. Corey Davis is another one. I know you love your NWO boys and AJ Brown, but Corey Davis, Kev, has had 10 targets in the last two weeks, each of the last two weeks, 10 targets in the last two games each week. Remember, he had COVID and is now coming back. Don't forget about his role in that offense. And then you were just talking about San Francisco, right? And, you know, Kev, Kendrick Bourne is out there. You know, last week, I gave you Brandon Ayuk as a waiver wire diamond, and he popped off, scored a touchdown. Now, with, to be honest, even George Kittle down, Ayuk is going to be that Debo Samuel role. Kendrick Bourne may be like the number one prototypical wide receiver on the outside for the San Francisco 49ers. He's only on rosters in 8% of leagues. And Kev, I went and checked and uh, Bourne is actually third on the Niners in targets behind only Kittle and Ayuk. Third in receptions behind Kittle and Ayuk, and third in receiving yards behind Kittle and Ayuk. So I think Kendrick Bourne, you know, these other guys are around 50%, but Bourne is like Nine out of ten of you right now can go get Kendrick Bourne, and he may be the last man standing in the past game for San Fran. What do you think about these three guys? Yeah, I got no issues with Bourne. Corey Davis has been performing as well. If I had to push back, Marvin Jones had a similar opportunity in the first couple of weeks of the season without Galladay and didn't really deliver. We know he can have big splash games, so the two-touchdown game, but it was only three catches. So I... Can Marvin Jones produce? Sure, sure. I don't trust him. I don't trust him. I also dropped him this year. Maybe I got burned and maybe I'm salty. (laughs) Very, very loud. Fair enough. You know, what's interesting also, Kev, is Marvin Jones is also a name we're starting to hear about um, 
in trade talks because it is the end of his contract this year. So if there's a team out there that needs a rental, his name may be out there. But then again, Detroit may not want to move him now that Kelly Galladay went down with the hip injury. So we'll see about that. Then at the running back position, right, I talked about all these injuries. We talked about the teams on by. I got three tiers for you of guys that are available that I like, Kev. The first is Zach Moss. I love Zach Moss. He fits that rookie running back thing. I say all the time, Kev, starting to ascend. Him and Devin Singletary both had 14 carries last week, but Zach Moss gets the touchdowns. I think the Buffalo Bills run game is good. With Jordan Wilkins, you know the deal. I like him. I am with you, Kev. The idea that this is what they decided to do after the bye as it related to Jonathan Taylor. I know you feel very strongly about that, and he's only owned in 1% of leagues, right? So if you agree with Kevin that like the Colts self-scouted and this is the move now, you can go get Wilkins, and but I'm not believing, Kev, in, uh, in Harris. Here's why. I can never believe in a Patriots running back, right? They can. Who knows what they do with the Jets next week? Sonny Michelle may come back. There's still Rex Burkhead. There's still James White. Cam Newton gets in the end zone in the run game. When we come back, Kev, what we're going to do is I want to find out how you feel about these running backs. And we'll also start to look at the trade deadline. Is big pimp and spending cheese. What kind of teams are going to be doing that before the trade deadline? We talk about it next on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back here, right, on the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane and Kev. And Kev, um, you know, I gave you some running backs out there. I've been telling everybody who will listen, and you know this, I've said it a ton, right, in fantasy that the rookies will ascend over time. I think we're seeing it in Detroit with Swift. I I thought we would see even more of it in Indy, but, you know, uh, that did not look good yesterday or last week. But in Buffalo, Zach Moss, remember, he was banged up a little bit in the middle of the season, but he may get more and more opportunity as we go along. And then I want to ask you, you know, I had Damian Harris in there as well. How do you feel about Patriots running backs in fantasy? Because I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna play that game. I'm just not. It's almost like San Francisco, right? I'm not gonna play that game. I know Harris had a very good game last week. I mean, 102 yards and a touchdown. But it could be Rex Burkhead on Monday night. It could be James White on Monday night. You know, Sony Michelle is supposed to come back off IR for Week 10. You know, I just can't trust the Pats running back. Would you? No, I, I mean. Hey, look, he got in the end zone if the matchup was there. Like, I actually, oddly enough... That's the Jets on Monday night. That's what I was going to say. He might be, oddly, a diamond this week, right, for your teams. But, no, in the long term, I wouldn't be super high on him. Um, Zach Moss is very interesting. I got to say, yesterday I went on Game Time Decisions. I got a lot of pushback because I said Jonathan Taylor was done. Um, So allow me to double down. This guy is done. He's a bum. He's terrible, and this team doesn't like him. It's what it is. Off of a bye. You brought up Trent they Richardson. Had the, uh, yeah, and honestly, that's unfair to Trent Richardson. He at least had a full good season. Jonathan Taylor is done. I'm, I don't care what anybody – he is done. Off of a bye, everybody's getting all their rookies involved. Even Matt Patricia was like, eh, maybe a little bit more swift than AP. Right? Yeah. Frank Reich, a good head coach, was like, oh, no, yeah, this is pretty obvious. 
20 carries for Wilkins, 11 for Taylor. And look at the production. Wilkins averages 4.5 yards per carry. Taylor averages 2 yards per carry. He's never going to cut into Naimi Hines' workload as a pass yeah, catcher. A different thing. He right. is done. He is done. They could have got this guy the ball. They could have got him in the end zone. Instead, Trey Burton gets your carries. Jack Doyle gets right. one-yard touchdowns. Wilkins gets your touchdowns. He's done. He's done. All right. He's done. Fair enough. I, I will say this, though. Really? The best back to own might be Naheem Hines in Indy, especially in a PPR format. That may be the most stable thing. Kev thinks that uh, Jonathan Taylor is done. We'll see if any teams kind of declare themselves done by the moves they make today before the trading deadline. We'll talk about that in hour number two. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.